What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Let's get ready to rumble! Information Yo, what's going on, everybody? Happy Monday! Woo! Another week, another day to be back at it. Mondays are actually my favorite day of the week. It's the day that you had the most energy. We're ready to roll. We had that little hiatus from trading, and now the stock market is once again alive, as it is on about 50 of the 52 Mondays of the year. But what is going on, everybody? This is the Power Hour. This is the Trade Idea Show. That's why we spend these 60 minutes together every single day. Uh, and, and let's make this note too. Ideas aren't just coming from myself. They're not just coming from producer AB, who's going to be hanging out with me today, but most importantly, coming out of the group, out of the chat. So if you guys have stocks that you are looking at, stocks that you are trading, drop those symbols in the chat there. We will have time to look at them today. Um, but I mean, let, let, let's go ahead and let's get this party started. Let, let, let's just hit the trade ideas right, right, right up front. I'm going to dive straight into one. Check this one out, guys. Uh, This is Doximity, ticker D-O-C-S. This is absolutely, I think, a swing trade candidate right now. I want to get everybody's opinions in the chat. Uh, Zooming us out to daily candles. Uh, If you guys remember, this is the social network for doctors. That's what this business is. They have something like like 70-80% of doctors uh, on their network. It's a way for them to communicate, share cases, etc., uh, they can then sell advertising to those doctors on the day that the company IPO'd, uh, which is the start of this chart over here that was back in June. Uh, we actually had the CFO on our, on the Power Hour with us live. Um, and I, I was ju- just taking a look at some of the trading action in this one today. You have the stock that's up 10%. Uh, and check it out. It's making another run at this all-time high. So 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 the line to watch right here is 84, 84, and 84 the stock has tried to get there three times, including again today. We are pretty much at the high of the day today. Um, so so if somebody is looking for a swing trade candidate, I think Docs is absolutely in there. And there we go. One minute in, first trade idea of the day. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to this one. Let's let's just get the chat started. Let's get the, the voting started, guys. Uh, if you like Docs, ticker D-O-C-S, drop me the one in the chat. If you don't like it, either long-term or for the swing trade, drop the two in there. And if you have an even better swing trade for us to get us going on this, this Monday afternoon, go ahead and drop in that other ticker. So, so, so there's one, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do three stocks, three minutes. It never actually takes three minutes. It always takes longer than that. What's up, Mr. Hot Stocks? How we doing? Doing well, man. What's up, producer AB? Not much. How do I sound? Is the mic all good? Yes, sir. All right. So something that I have my eye on right now is Alibaba, ticker B-A-B-A. We've talked about it before on this show. Um, you know, I'm going to be an open book. I said I liked it as it dipped below 200. Obviously, I was wrong there. Not a good time to get in. Uh, the trend is your friend. So the stock has been in a downtrend for the past, I don't know, really for the, since 2021 um, or even going back toward last November. Yeah, tough. Um, but we talk about Wish.com, Luke. And Alibaba and Wish are similar in that it's an online marketplace that you can buy Uh, goods that you might be able to find cheaper on those sites than you would other places. Maybe some of these products come from, you know, China, somewhere in Asia. Um, But we did a little test on Wish 
And I actually did the same thing on Baba. I ordered a few things off AliExpress. I wanted to see a. Okay, nice. What did you get? I got some different sports jerseys. Um, so I don't know if you know this, Luke, but essentially in the United States, you can't sell NCAA, um, you know, merchandise with players' names on it. So you can't go buy a UNC uh, Michael Jordan jersey, or you can't go buy a Michigan Charles Woodson jersey. AliExpress does not care. On AliExpress, you can go buy a college jersey with a player's name on it. Um, so I ordered a few jerseys. So we're going to see, A, how long they take to come in, B, the quality of the jerseys, and C, we're going to compare the cost and quality versus if I went out and paid full price in the States for those. All right, so we're hitting the channel checks. And, and when did you make the, the purchase? Um, this was over the weekend on Saturday. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we're looking at a two to three week delivery date. Uh, expected to be a little longer, you know, coming from Asia than if we just ordered something. And, off and what was total cost of the purchase? About $60 for three jerseys. Okay. All right. Including shipping. Yep. Including shipping. All right. So that's your all in. Um, yeah, dude, the Chinese names are tough and, and let me use this as to my pivot to something else that's been tough. And we've talked about it a ton of times, uh, but small caps. Uh, let, let's go ahead and pull up IWM, guys, ticker IWM. That's the ETF that, that tracks the Russell 2000. Like a lot of the Chinese stocks, the, the small cap stops, the, the broader uh, market, they've gotten sort of washed out. Right? We, we saw the all-time high in the small caps all the way back in March. And if you look at the S&P 500, let's just load that up for quick comparison. You'll see we basically had just been a straight lineup, making new highs every single week. Um, so, so that's a large cap stock. Small cap stocks have gotten left behind. We're now running into day two uh, of a little bit of a bounce here on uh, on the small cap stocks. Um, as of last week, so before we got that that bounce that we saw on Friday and we're continuing today, small cap stocks were off 9% from their all-time high. Well, again, the S&P 500 was pretty much sitting right at its all-time high. Um and, and so, so my move on it, and we talked about this in the show, was was I sold off a lot of individual names to decrease some of that risk because I'd been getting hammered with a lot of small mid-cap stocks that I own. I moved into the broader IWM index, and, and basically the, the idea is that there will be some convergence. Again, these stocks have, have gotten left in the dust. Uh, you know, the, the larger cap stocks have, have pushed higher. Whenever that happens, you, you typically see some sort of convergence. Again, this, this is a long-term trade. This isn't like a one-week swing trade. But over the next couple of months, I think it's realistic that if the S&P is still at all-time highs, that the small cap should be pushing all-time highs as well. And shout out to Born Be Free saying smash the like button, share the stream. It's not hard to do. It helps us out. It gets more people in here, more people sharing ideas. So, so, so let's get that fired up and going. Um, but, but producer AB, th thoughts on on sort of the the rotation with small caps that I'm making again. I, I decreased some of the individual positions I hold, uh, but then I'm I'm overweight the broader index. Yeah, I mean, look, we we can see it trading sideways here for the past six months or so. Uh, James in the chat is saying IWM is consolidating to sell off. Um, it could be. It could also be consolidating to come back up higher. I, you know, look, I, I like the trend is your friend. Um, so right now there's not a, a big trend in the stock. We see a couple green candles in a row. So if we see that 
uh, continue, then I think ID, IWM will, sh will show some strength and it becomes more enticing. Um, but other, other indices look better to me right now. I mean, look at SPY, look at QQQ. They've just been on a, on a tear really. And it, it doesn't look like anything's really going to slow SPY down. So if I was going to buy one of the major All indices, time high. if I was going to buy one of All the major indices, time high. it would be the one hitting an all time high, not the one struggling. Um, so that's where I stand on it. But IWN, like many other traders, is on my watch list. I'm waiting to see if we do see that rotation come back into small small cap stocks. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, Luke, one of the good one of the benefits of trading small cap stocks is finding a cheaper stock and having a huge percent runner. And you get that volatility, yeah, exactly. So I I'd, I'd be more looking for individual small cap stocks to trade as opposed to the IWM. Uh, but that's just me personally. All right, fair enough um uh, another one so so boom keeping the ideas going uh we 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 talked about docs ticker docs we'll check on that one as the top of the hour because that was right trying to break through those those all-time highs um we talked about my iwm trade on your alibaba producer ab what are you doing are you just sitting on the sidelines and watching waiting for it to regain some strength or what's the move no, so I actually have an open uh, open call right now uh, with an $175 strike price dated all the way out to October. Um, so I, I'm just betting essentially that between now and October, basically two months from now, that we'll see some volume come back into BABA. Um, yeah, we see Ak in the chat asking about Callaway. Take yeah, a Callaway. Uh, What's the move with Callaway? I, I've never traded this one before, but I think you've gotten some action on it. Yeah, so I bought some calls that uh, I had to get out of a few weeks ago back when it was more at that $30 level. Um, and, and it dropped down back down to this like $27. We can see it. It's, it's come back up from that $27 point, but I want to see some more sustained uptrend. I think if we get above that $30 level, um, we can see it rip all the way back to the previous all-time highs of about 36 bucks. Um, you know, we, we talked about it after earnings that we need a catalyst. So maybe the catalyst will be top golf surging. Maybe the catalyst will be, um, you know, people playing more golf in the fall, but I think it's hard to identify a specific catalyst to trade this as like a swing trade. Uh, but I don't mind it at this price. If you were just going to buy it and put it in a long-term, long-term portfolio. Yeah, and, and if we want to talk just fundamentals on this stock, Callaway, it looks especially cheap. Again, this is going from, from a pure fundamental basis, ticker ELY, that's Callaway Golf, looks especially cheap in, in terms of the fundamentals. So, so, so that brings the question to, will they sustain revenue and earnings, right? If, if, if revenue and earnings stay at least even to what we've seen in these past few months, which they have been strong months, the stock is cheap. I mean, it's like a 50% gapper to come in line with the industry. Um what I think the market is building in is, hey, rev sales are gonna are gonna pull back next year. Next summer isn't gonna be as strong as this summer was, uh, and and that's why Callaway Golf is getting that discount on the valuation side of things. So 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 the question I think for anybody who's looking at Callaway Golf is, do you have a thesis on sales continuing next year at the same level we've seen this year? If they do, it's it's pretty much a no brainer trade at, the, at this valuation. Uh, if they don't, then you're sitting with the rest of the market and the stock is appropriately priced. Yeah, 100 percent, Luke. And this is one. And, and that's kind of why I said I wouldn't I don't mind it at this price if you're just going to put it in and, and hold it long term because it is cheap where it's at. Um, but as a swing trade, I want to see some more 
you know, I want to see a stronger uptrend before I get into it. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and people like to play this one seasonally. You know, they think like, oh, in the winter, people aren't golfing as much. It's not going to do that well. But last year we saw um, Callaway report really strong numbers in the winter quarter for from uh, driven by holiday sales because everyone who started golfing during COVID asked for, you know, this golf club or this golf bag or, you know, for, for Christmas. So definitely some interesting things going to be to watch Callaway as we get out of the golf season and see if they're able to, to repeat that this year. Um, or if we will see that stock get hurt in the in the winter time. Um, yep. And I see somebody talking about Coinbase. We can look at Coin for a second. Um, you know, Coinbase, of course. Uh, oh, it's pulled back. All right, that is an interesting one. Uh, I was going to say Coinbase, of course, up with the price of Bitcoin, but it's pulled back. I had a different one written down in my notepad. Every day we write down the tickers and the ideas that we had to talk through, uh, which is my favorite Voyager Digital VYGVF. Again, guys, ticker VYGVF, Voyager Digital up 10% today. Uh, it is the biggest gainer of the stocks that I currently own. News on Voyager Digital uh, is that the stock looks like it's going to be uplisting. Uh, so if we go ahead and we pop open this press release from our trusty Benzinga Pro here, um, conditional approval to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Right now, it's on the Canadian Stock Exchange, I believe. That's, that's the CSE. Um, it's going to be uplisting to uh, the TSX. That is the major exchange in Canada. Um, and, and that potentially clears the pathway for a future NASDAQ listing in, in the U.S. Um, so Voyager Digital getting a nice pop on a couple catalysts today. You had all that Bitcoin strength over the weekend and, and broader crypto market. Uh, and then number two, you have the uplisting in route. Um, so, so for anybody that's been riding in Voyager with us, congrats. Here's the chart. If we zoom out, you can see the stock had, had of course, its boom when it went from like 30 cents to 30 bucks. Uh, and since has been trading sideways. Um, I continue to be in this one. Um, was the valuation is just so dirt deep. Uh, we, we've got to run the latest numbers again, but the stock is trading at something like three times sales, like three times revenue, uh, which is lower than the S&P 500 average. Uh, and, and we're talking about a company that that's growing revenue, like from what was it, AB? God, I got to remember these numbers. 20 million to 80 million over the course of two quarters or something like that. So, so, so that's why I've been hanging out in Voyager Digital. I mean, from from a valuation play, from a way to get exposure to the crypto market. I mean, I think it's 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 a really interesting situation. Got it, um, Luke. Well, we do have our first guest here. Let me make sure he's ready to go. David Elsley, the CEO of Cardio Therapeutics, um, ticker CRDL. The company just had some exciting news come out last week. Um, but yeah, let's let's check out that stock real quick before we bring David on. Which one? Which one do you want to look at? CRDL. All right, let's let's pull it up. CRDL. And we can see the stock's been uh, trading up the past few trading days after the company broke some news. We did report on it in Benzinga Pro. And of course, get getting a nice little move today on some news. So, so why don't we go ahead and bring CEO David Ellisley onto the stream with us and, and figure out what exactly happened straight, straight from the horse's mouth. How does that sound? Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. 
All right, all right, everyone. We are joined by David Elsley, CEO of Cardio Therapeutics, guys. That's ticker CRDL, Charlie Romeo Delta Lima. David, thanks a ton for joining the Power Hour today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Luke. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you today. Absolutely. And and before we dive into the news that, that was out earlier, uh, could you just give us a little bit of background on the company for anybody who may not be familiar? Sure. The team at Cardiotherapeutics is focused on heart inflammation. So inflammation is a major causative factor underlying heart disease. Heart failure remains a leading cause of death and disability in the Western world today. Costs the U.S. healthcare system over $30 billion. And the team at Cardiotherapeutics has dedicated our, our lives to developing new innovative treatments to address the inflammatory component in this deadly disease. And, and can you tell us a little bit about the approach that you guys are taking and, and how it differs from, from other companies out there? Uh, sure. There was an interesting discovery made at the National Institute of Health uh, that was published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, which is a, a tier one high impact publication that basically demonstrated that a molecule called cannabidiol, which your viewers may know more commonly as CBD, could reverse fibrosis and inflammation in heart tissue. We saw this as a potential transformative therapy for heart medicine, and we've developed one of the most advanced pharmaceutical platforms to deliver this important molecule to cardiac tissue in a very efficient way. And we now believe that this offers significant potential to address this deadly form of heart disease that affects some 26 million people in the developed world. And we're looking forward to advancing this treatment uh, under clinical trials that have been sanctioned by the FDA. Okay. And, and so you mentioned that you have clinical trials that are sanctioned by the FDA. Uh, wh where are you in that trial process? So we have a phase two, three program currently uh, running uh, in the United States. It's enrolling over 400 patients who are at high risk for mortality because they contract the COVID virus and they have a prior history of cardiovascular disease or risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And that sets up for an extraordinary risk of either death or major cardiovascular complications like heart attack and stroke. So we're using our lead formulation as a cardioprotective agent in that study. And we also have a pending program in a very important area of heart inflammation, which is called acute myocarditis, which you probably read about because it's a rare complication of the mRNA vaccines. Uh, it's also a rare complication of certain cancer treatments, but predominantly it's caused by viral infection. Okay. Historically, it would be the flu virus that's been causing it, but now the COVID virus is causing a myocarditis-like phenomena. And this is the leading cause of sudden cardiac death in young, healthy adults and children. So it's a very devastating form of disease that currently doesn't have uh, treatment available for it. Okay. And, and, and so if, and, and apologies for not being well-versed on the topic, but, but if somebody is having that issue, you know, that, that, that virus caused issue, how much of a lead time do they have to, in order to receive treatment? Uh, so typically a patient would present to the emergency room with chest pain uh, because their cardiac output or their heart starts to fail rapidly. Uh, mm -hmm. or, so they have chest pain uh, they're okay. with an MRI or an X-ray. And then you would, try to stabilize them with emergency heart failure interventions. And if they can't be stabilized, then they may go on to uh, develop fulminant heart failure. They may go on to require ICU. And some advanced cases require heart transplantation. Okay. 
so switching topic over to the stock and a little bit on the industry, you guys just recently uh, announced a NASDAQ listing and actually started trading on the NASDAQ. Uh, so, so congratulations on that one. Uh, per my understanding, you're also trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange as well. Is that correct? That's correct. We IPO'd in 20, late 2018 on the Toronto Stock Exchange, but now we just recently uplisted to the NASDAQ uh, to provide a platform to build broader awareness of the uh, great therapeutics we're developing in heart failure medicine. Excellent. And, and this is maybe a little bit of a nerdy finance question, but, but that's who we all are watching the show. We're all stock market finance people. Uh, but, but can you talk a little bit about that process of what it takes to, to become listed on an additional exchange, how long that takes, any initial benefits you've seen, et cetera? Uh, it's certainly a journey, uh, but we have set this company up to uh, uh, on a very strong platform, strong financial footing, uh, very distinguished international board of directors, extraordinary management team. We have international collaborators. So it's only appropriate that this company be listed on the global exchange that is recognized for new innovative life sciences and biotechnology companies. And um, so it's been a process, but a process that uh, you know we've done before uh, successfully. And uh, we're thrilled that we have successfully completed this uh, for cardiotherapeutics. So the largest healthcare market in the world can become aware of the great work we're doing in heart medicine. Yeah, well, well con congratulations on that. And you just mentioned the, the largest market in the world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of these other names that, that have gotten taken over in this space recently. Uh, GW Pharma, $7.2 billion takeout. Uh, Myocardia, $13 billion takeout by Bristol Myers. Um, can, can you talk to, obviously, you know, the, these, these were, were firms that have had, had had a, a longer time than, than you've had thus far. But, but can you talk a little bit about the timeline? You know, timelines that we're looking at for, for the trial that you spoke on uh, uh, just, just a few minutes ago, timelines after that, and then what specifically us investors should be on the lookout for? Certainly. So our, our most advanced program, we plan to complete uh, patient enrollment into that study by the end of the year. And we look forward to reporting that study in early 2022. Uh, we The acute myocarditis program is pending approval for initiation by the FDA. We hope to have that imminently so we can initiate that trial as an important study uh, addressable to cardiac disease in children, which can uh, take lives of children. So it's a devastating form of that disease. And um, so we're on the cusp of uh, some very uh, noteworthy developments with this organization. And to just uh, remark on the cases that you've just referenced, I mean, GW Farm did great work in the pediatric epilepsies, but if you look at a timeline, uh, that company built 7 billion in enterprise value over three years going through the FDA approval development cycle. So that underscores the value proposition that can be created in these companies. And then in the context of myocardia, uh, back in 2017, that company had a market capitalization of approximately $200 million, and they were acquired a little over three years later in the fourth quarter of last year for $13 billion, and they were developing initially a rare form of cardiac disease medicine. So I think that really is the most uh, appropriate analogous to what we're trying to achieve here at Cardiol, because we are developing a new innovative therapy for both rare and very common mass markets in heart disease that aren't well addressed today. Awesome. And while we're talking about deals, let's bring it up. Pfizer bought Trillium Therapeutics this morning. That That is an, an oncology company, I believe. Stock is up 200% today. Monster move in that one. 
but but David, I, I appreciate you hopping on with us today. Um, we will definitely keep a look again, guys. The symbol is CRDL. That's Charlie Romeo Delta Lima. Congratulations on the recent NASDAQ listing. Thanks, Luke. It's great to be here today. Absolutely. All right. All right. Producer AB, what do you think about that one? Woo! Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those biotech companies that has a lot of potential. Um, you know, I think cardiac health is very important to me as well as other Americans. I've lost, you know, a few immediate family members from, uh, you know, heart disease. So I think anything in that field to help people, you know, it's just, it's just terrible how many, you know, people pass away from heart disease in America before their time. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one that I will continue to keep my eyes on. Um, it's, it's hard for me, Luke, honestly, to understand a lot of the different biotech companies, like what they're doing specifically, just because I don't have that big of a science background. Um, but I think we can look at the valuations of the companies, what potential revenue will look like and determine if it's a good purchase to add to our portfolio. Yep. And I see somebody in the chat's been dropping in another biotech company. It looks like the ticker is, what is that? AQST. I don't know that one, uh, but also having a nice little 5% move today. Uh, potentially in line with what we were talking about with the small caps in general, broader small caps of about a percent and a half today. Yeah. I mean, and that, that was the second person talking about AQST. So Luke, maybe we'll have to do some research on this tonight um, and talk about it tomorrow. Shelly is asking about Boeing. I think that can be an interesting play. You know, Luke, we've, the reopening trade has just not been on for a while, but I think as there's fear, with the Delta variant around the world, there will become more buying opportunities. What um, about the, the most reopening trade possible? Like the biggest battleground the, stock, the here's most, the two-year chart. You mean the most stay-at-home trade possible? Stay-at-home reopening, they traded this thing both ways. That's true. ZM, Zoom Communications, I want to throw this one to the chat. If you guys are long and strong Zoom still, Zulu Mike, drop me a one in the chat. If not, drop the two. I'm definitely a two on this one. I have not been staying long and strong Zoom. Uh, Delta variant, dude. Office buildings are not going back into full force. No way. Especially when you have school is about to start. This week is the week where where most schools are starting in the U.S. uh, Over the next two weeks. So so basically by the time we get to September 5th, all schools will be back in order. Um, we, We saw what happened last year. Let's pull this up. And and whenever we talk about COVID cases, it's like people want to turn into a political thing. It's not. This is a money-making show. That's all that we're trying to do is figure out how to make some money together, guys. Um, but all right, let, let's go back to the, the – let's look at the whole United States. Oops. We want USA, United States as a proxy for the rest of the world, all regions. Uh, check out the seasonality when school got kicking again. Yeah, no good. Bad news, guys. COVID cases got back onto the rise. Uh, we're, we're seeing the rise, of course, right now with the Delta variant. Uh, pretty much all schools are going to be back in session over the next two weeks. Um, I imagine that that is not great news for COVID cases um, in, in plans that, that have been developing to, to reopen office buildings, get people totally back to work. Um, are going to be delayed or perhaps optional. I don't think we're going to run into a lot of situations where people who aren't already back are going to be forced to be going back. Um, 
it's either going to be hybrid or, or it may continue remote for a little while. So I think that Zoom is actually a very interesting trade right now. If we want to look at it from, from a pure valuation perspective, it's still really expensive. You see the company is doing a billion dollars a quarter in revenue. Uh, you compare that to their market cap of $100 billion, That's a 25 times price to sales ratio. That, that is absolutely uh, expensive. That is by, by no means cheap. Um, but, but this might be a little bit of a narrative trade. You know, where, where you don't necessarily need the fundamentals to flow through. Because, I mean, revenue for, for this stock to be in line, revenue is going to have to like 4X. And I don't see revenue 4Xing again. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah. it could potentially be a narrative trade. So I'm throwing out ZM Zoom as an idea. I'm not in it now. The the, the chart doesn't look great. But again, we're, we're dropping some ideas today. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eye on this, Luke. If we do see the stock continue to drop down and it, it's in line with, uh, you know, more schools shutting down and stuff, I think Zoom will become an interesting purchase. Ack in the chat is saying all school districts open for in-school earning, but multiple districts have had to switch back to virtual learning. Um, and then I, I saw this, Luke, real quick. I'm going to share my screen. All right, wait, I'm just going to pull out this one. Casey in the chat, drop a ticker, LSP. That's Lima, Sandy, Papa, Delta, all-time high again. I don't know this one, but the chart looks really compelling. Um, yeah, it looks like so, some so sort I'm of. I'm gonna a, put this on the list for tomorrow. Let's take a let's take a look at this one. Looks like some sort of a fintech, um, you know. Which what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Based on the chart, it looks like it would be showing some relative strength against other fintechs, other e-commerce um, companies. But yeah, I mean, Luke, we'll definitely have to do some research on this, bring it to the, bring it to the show tomorrow. Um, this is just something that I saw on Twitter that I found interesting was data from Google Analytics showing search result or search search for covid tests just hit a record high so this is just all people searching covid test on google um this spike back here was last november so november of 2020 right about right around thanksgiving time was like the previous uh you know biggest spike we had and now look how parabolic this is just people searching for covid tests um so that's slightly concerning um, and I think a lot, yeah, I, uh, I was talking to somebody who was traveling and needed to find one and was having a hard time finding them. They were so booked up. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that happened to me. I ended up buying an at home COVID test, which I was questioning, you know, the, like the legitimacy of it, how well that could be compared to like going to get it done by a medical professional. Um, tiny pies. And, asking, and, and while we're at it, should, should we do our, uh, you're talking Google search trends. I've got one on crypto. I know you have a big interview coming up in a second here. Uh, but should we do our, our daily crypto update? Let's do it. I'm bringing your screen back up. Um, yeah, l- l- let's go to our Voyager crypto update. All right, guys. Today's show, the Power Hour, the whole channel is brought to you guys by Voyager Digital. We talked about the stock and I'll talk about the company. Uh, Voyager Digital is a crypto brokerage, not exchange. They connect to, to several exchanges, which, which basically has a benefit for their users of getting the best fills. We, you know that, or maybe you don't know. But, but each crypto will trade at a different price on crypto exchanges. By leveraging Voyager, you connect to multiple of those at once. So you get the ideal fill. Um, they, they have over 60 coins. 
You can get interest on over a dozen of them. So, right, so, so you can trade a ton of assets. You can get interest by holding those assets. Let's talk about the crypto market as a whole, guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up our heat map, and then let's look at the Google search trends. I'm just hot with the ideas today, producer AB. Love it. Love it. Bring in the energy on a Monday. I never bring the energy on a Monday. I always Smash. tell producer AB, let's get as many guests as we can because I don't want to talk. Smash uh, the like. Check this out. BTC floating up right around 50K. Uh, really nice move over the weekend, continuing into today. Of course, we do want to see 50K, but let's talk about opportunity. Um, this is the Google search trend for, for the word cryptocurrency. We're looking at 12 months of Google search volume for the word cryptocurrency. 100, it's a scale out of 100. It's not the actual number of searches. It's a scale out of 100. And basically, this is saying that uh, searches for cryptocurrency peaked in the week of May 9th to May 15th. As of right now, uh, the search volume is only 21% of what it was in in that May week, which means that the price has been trickling up. Uh, but indicates to me that that sort of that mainstream crypto narrative has not yet taken hold. What will we need in order to get that? Maybe we'll need to see a sustained, uh, uh, you know, Bitcoin to hold uh, 50K for, for some sustained period of time. Maybe we'll need to see all time highs. But again, there, only 21% of the search volume is there as to what we saw in May when the world was going crypto crazy. Wait, go back to that uh, indicates to me, AB, that that the masses have not yet flooded in. And that's a potential catalyst for your crypto market. Can you go back to the the peak when it was at 100? See what date that was again? Uh, She wasn't she 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 got put in timeout. She said something about crack pipes. I think that's fine. But go Uh, ahead. Uh, when if you go back to when it was a hundred, do you know what was on uh, May eighth? The price of Bitcoin? No, just what happened on May eighth? I think that's when we were making the all time highs. I don't know. That's somebody fill that in for me. That's when Elon Musk went on Saturday Night Live, and all oh, okay. eyes were on all eyes were on Dogecoin. Dogecoin nice. ran up to seventy cents in the in the uh, anticipation of Elon Musk going on SNL. Yeah, let's let's click through some of these more specific coins. So Bitcoin peaked that same week in May uh, and searches for Bitcoin specifically are now 30% of what they were in May. And then let's get Dogecoin, like you mentioned. Dogecoin also peaked in May a little bit earlier. Um, it, it was actually the week before his uh, SNL performance that it peaked. Uh, and Dogecoin search interest is search volume is only 10% of what it was right before Musk went on SNL. Yep. And I actually, you know, from a pure technical standpoint, Dogecoin looks kind of good right now to me, Luke. I think I'm going to Tony for correcting us on, on the Bitcoin highs, April 14th. Yeah. And, and I think we've seen that we've seen Dogecoin kind of lag Bitcoin a little bit. Um, so right now, you know, Bitcoin ripped throughout the weekend and Dogecoin kind of held steady. So I think if we see Bitcoin get up to that $55,000 level or maybe it even gets up to previous all-time highs, um, then Dogecoin becomes even more enticing. I don't know about you, Luke, but I'm I'm ready for another big Dogecoin run. I want to be in. I want to be in early when that happens. Um, so I might get out in front of it and just go by. All right. Well, producer AB and everybody else out there, if you're waiting for your chance to get into the crypto market, now is the time, guys. Join Voyager with the code ZING. That's Z-I-N-G. I just put it in the chat. Uh, you get $50 of Bitcoin 
after you make your first $100 trade. Okay, so that basically means you can get started with crypto. You can be wrong by 50% with the direction of your trade and still be sitting at a break even. I don't know any other security that will let you do that. So, guys, check it out. Today's show, all of our programming brought to us by our friends at Voyager. Check out code Zing. Beautiful. All right, Luke. Well, without further ado, let's get to our next guest, which is the CEO of Nextplay Technologies. Someone was asking about gaming stocks in the chat. Um, so this will be a perfect opportunity to talk about some, some gaming, some AI. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Jesse, how's it going today? It's good. It's kind of late at night, but I keep hypnotizing myself to believe that it's still two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't even want to try to pronounce that last name. I would butcher it too bad. So I'll just call you Jesse for now. That's good enough. Um, so give us a little background for our audience about Nextplay Technologies for maybe some people that might not be familiar with the company. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, in a nutshell, Nextplay Technology is a technology company with the mission to create an ecosystem that helps connect uh, commerce and finance with entertainment and lifestyle in a way that you know, we wish to benefit all the stakeholders. Our core business right now is uh, putting the emphasis on in-game advertising and its adjacent businesses, including games content itself. Uh, the technology and the platform that essentially would be helping us ex expand the market reach and the revenue potential. Got it. So essentially, um, the company is working with, with video game platforms and other platforms to bring advertising uh, as a way to create more revenue? Yes, that's, that's pretty much summed up in one sentence. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Uh, to make sure the audience gets it right too. So I know we we do had we had some news that came out this morning. The stock is trading up about eight percent right now. Um, we did report the news in Benzinga Pro, but do you want to just go ahead and give us a rundown kind of of that news and explain it to us firsthand? Sure, happy to. Uh, the the essence of the news is our company just making acquisitions of an asset called Make It Game. So Make It Game, what it is, is an AI technology that uh, we think that would be significantly helping expand our capacity on the gaming side of the business of Nextplay. I would say that from its inceptions, I have decided our business model to always focus on scalability for everything that we do. And Make It Game AI will play a crucial role in allowing us to accomplish just that for the content creation business side of things. Uh, essentially, what it does is that it's enabled the developer to create video games, uh, mainly powered by AI versus human touch, uh, particularly creating and determining a movement of anything at all in the game. So to elaborate on that a little bit, uh, in order to make something move in the games, or movies in that matter, you have to have an animator actually going in and animate those movements by hand. Animation process uh, take up at least 50 or 60% of the cost and the time of making video games or any um, animated films. 
with this AI, you will no longer need to create a motion by animating. But rather what you do is you input the parameters such as uh, the, the boundary for minimum and maximum speed, the strength or the angular motions that determine the characteristic of the object itself. And then you let the AI do the rest of the work. So what, what this does is it will enable uh, a company like us that trying to create game content to be able to quickly um, create a tons of content in a virtual 3D world and also have the ability to create fungible 3D object that can fit into whatever piece of the content that we're looking at. That said, fungible 3D object in this particular case, we want to apply it onto our branded object that we would let uh, advertiser insert into the game content. So such, such object will be able to actually fit into and interact with the virtual world intelligently using this AI. And quite frankly, you know, this, this quality in fact also lend itself perfectly to the concept of metaverse, which is the direction that we are going to be going shortly. Got it. Yeah, I mean, definitely an interesting concept here. Are there any big uh, names as far as in the video game industry that maybe, uh, you know, some of our audience would recognize that you're currently working with? Um, I'm afraid that, you know, that would be a, a bit of a confidential information that I'm not allowed to reveal it before <laughs> the news actually hit the public. But we uh, have been in contact with quite a few uh, titles that are very uh, reputable. And when I say the name, I would say that literally like 80, 90% of people in the world would, would know it. And also, um, and on our side, you know, we, we have been cranking out, uh, producing our own internal uh, content on the gaming side. Uh, my background came from game development, actually. Um, I actually start off my career as a financial analyst, but then I get exposed to game industry, you know, back in around year 2005 also. And what really fascinated me back then was, in fact, the numbers behind the industry itself, where I found that uh, the game industry revenue never went down when the economy went down or even crashed. Um, that, you know, coupled with growing up in a family where we had uh, four desktop computers, you know, sitting in a room, intentionally um, set up for uh, playing multiplayer games uh, on the local area network. Uh, caused me to jump into uh, game opportunities uh, at the first chance it offered to me. And, you know, I start off uh, building my first game development studio in 2000, 2006 and kind of been building it ever since. And, and that 2006 studio was called Epic Game China. So we did a lot of work um, for Wait, Epic like Games. The, the Epic Games? The, the Epic Games, yes. The same one that makes Fortnite? Correct. You were at that company when it started? Uh, it was the uh, the subsidiary uh, in 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 Shanghai, the Chinese branch, and uh, the studio helped contribute a lot to uh, the game content that were uh, coming out uh, from Epic Games. Wow, that's impressive. So, uh, real quick, I mean, you kind of teased that there that maybe the company Nextplay isn't ready yet to announce uh, partnerships that it's confidential. Um, so I'm not going to ask you more about that. But we have some people in the chat speculated on what on what company that may be. Um, you said, you know, that 90% of people may know it. So I have a few ideas of companies that it could be. Um, but I'm just curious because you said you you early on your in your career were a financial analyst. 
um, and you've worked at different gaming companies. What do you think about the the gaming industry in general right now? I have Take Two Interactive's chart up here. Um, the stock's trading well off of its highs of around two hundred and fifteen dollars. It's down to about one hundred and sixty right now. Um, we can see that in other video game stocks as well, with companies like Activision Blizzard um, trading well off their highs. Like, do you think it's a good buying opportunity for some of these companies right now? Um, well, if I were to to put it in my own perspective, I would definitely say that game has been a hot topic for sure, especially during this uh, pandemic year. Uh, we were already uh, witnessing games industry growing, um, you know, 11, 12 digit, um, 12% a year, double earlier, low double digit on a pretty, pretty large base. But during this pandemic, you know, we have uh, experienced a bump, another bump in, in the growth of game industry. And I guess that's mainly because people are stuck at home and they have nothing to do. And game turned out to be a very uh, natural entertainment that people can entertain themselves with. But there's, um, there's a cash. Um, the gaming uh, industry itself, business models within the industry has evolved um, pretty much like any other industry. If we were looking back uh, a few decades ago, we uh, we remember ourselves going to the store, buying you know game boxes, literally hard copy, and then it's go on into these uh, downloads models. But the dominant business model that have taken over the game industry over the past decade is what we call the freemium models. And the freemium models, uh, what is what has been a challenge for 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 game company is you spend all the money creating all the content, you launch the game, you spend the marketing money, acquire the user to come into the game, and they practically enter the game and play the game for free. Uh, the, the, the sad news is you know, people uh, really can choose whether they want to buy the virtual items or the in-app purchase that the game are offering. And the bad news is that only about 2% of the people ever going to pay for anything in the game at all. So this become a very competitive space and it's became very um, challenging for a smaller size uh, game that, that, that doesn't have a lot of long tail capital to, to support or a large portfolio that can diversify their risk. So, you know, for, for a small cap, uh, a smaller game company, um, that has been uh, a great challenge that they still continue to fire away to, to address. And in fact, that's one of the reasons or the main reason that we came up with uh, the hot pay in game advertising uh, technology. Because I was one of those small developers and I was suffering with these business models. There's only 2% on average of the player are paying or buying anything in the game at all. So, you know, we had to fire away to monetize the 98%. And, you know, we, we want to find a way to do that and we want to do it right. But, you know, game industry in general, I think, you know, the, the, the content of the game itself is still hot. If I were to go in and pick a peer play game development studio stock, I would look at, you know, something that offer diversifications in terms of portfolios and has long tail capital to uh, support. Uh, the modification of the games because this day when you launch a game it's not just about launching the products rather it's a service where you know you get you push a game out in the market and the developer take 
the real-time feedback market, and they can continue to reiterate and, and improve the products until it becomes something that uh, satisfies the customer and end up making profits. Got it. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting insight you gave as far as on the the freemium model. Um, you know, I'm sure it, it varies from game to game, but if you're saying essentially that 100 kids download Fortnite for free, only two out of those 100 kids are going to go purchase, you know, in-game skins or whatever's offered in the game. You know, I'd, I'd venture to guess that for Fortnite, it's a lot higher than than two percent, but for some games, it might be you know lower than two percent. So so it evens out. Um, I know a lot of other games are, are moving in that direction, going to free to play. Um, and then you have to, you know, make in-game purchases. I think even FIFA, uh, EA Sports is, you know, titled FIFA. The, the soccer game is considering doing that um, for one of their game modes, essentially going free to play. And then you can make in-game purchases. Um, but Jess, thank you for taking time out of your busy, you know, I know it's night in Thailand. So t- thank you for taking time out of your night to join us on the Benzinga Power Hour. Um, I'm glad we were able to go over Next Play's news today. Again, for everyone out there, that ticker is nxtp um and then yeah let us know when you do have that you're ready to break some news on regarding you know what companies you're working with we'll bring you back on the show we'll ask you about those um so it's great to talk to you thank you stay tuned it'll be soon okay we we, we would love to be able to to you know be able to break that news here so if, if you want to reach back out to us when you're ready we'll be here we'll be waiting absolutely happy to All right. Have a great rest of your evening, Jess. Thank you. No problem. All right. Now we are going to do a quick crypto update with our very own resident crypto expert, Catherine Ross. Um, Let me see if she is ready for me to bring her on. Catherine, how are we doing? Oh, we got you on mute. We're doing great um, here. I mean, the crypto industry. How are you? I am good. Let me go ahead and pull up the Benzinga crypto site. We can get a look at that heat map. Um, and let me know kind of what have you been, your, your the top coins you're watching right now? Oh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, if you look at the, at the heat map, you can see that we are looking at almost every single coin out there uh, in the market. Obviously, Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is the leader, right? So when we see the leader uh, going up, we usually see the rest of the market going up, except Solana. I have no idea why. So um, I'm looking at top five, specifically Cardano, because it just broke the record, the hack and the highest price ever. So yeah, I'm actually looking at all of those. Do you have any a, any preferences in terms of uh, cryptocurrency? Do you own any? I have not asked you that before. Yeah, so I actually I do hold some Cardano. Um, and I, I, I guess that's why Solana is down is because we if we look at how much Cardano's up, maybe people are selling Solana to buy Cardano. Because um, they're pretty similar as far as trying to be like a more clean energy and inefficient um, so-called Ethereum killer. So I think, you know, I, like I said, I hold a uh, Cardano. I also hold some Nano. I don't know if you're familiar with Nano. Um, yeah. And then I also have some ICP, which has been doing really well, but it, it looks like it's been, uh, you know, if you, if you look at ICP the past 30 days, up 46%, um, which isn't really out of line with anything else. I mean, shoot, look at Cardano the past 30 days, up over 100%. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm kind of diversified since I have a little bit in some of these smaller coins as well as I, I did buy a little bit of Dogecoin, Catherine, because I think it was looking strong. And I was like, you know what? I think we could ride this back up a little bit. So yeah. I'm kind of just like scalping some Dogecoin right now. Okay. When was that? I'm, I'm promised I'm going to, you know, uh, get back to the news, but when was that? When did you buy? Um, I believe I bought a little just on Robin hood, like maybe four or five days ago. I think it was toward the end of last week. So it was, a, it, it's pretty, it's pretty flat from where I bought it. You know, like if we look at the seven day return, I might be looking at a 4% gain or a 3% gain, but so far it's been pretty flat. I was just looking at the chart and I was like, Hey, this could run back up to 70 cents and I don't want to be, I don't want to miss it. Right. Do something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. um, So the truth is, is that uh, last week was, you know, looked pretty good for Dogecoin. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was buying in. And this is a pretty calm week. I mean, the weekend and today is pretty calm for Doge. So you are correct. But let's look at Bitcoin, right? So this past weekend was actually pretty exciting. And today, earlier today, Bitcoin saw 50K for the first time since May, which is very promising and which a lot of analysts uh, underline that uh, there are basically no news. So today is a slow news day in terms of, announcement right but the price is still up which is crazy and this is actually shows that uh for i think i've said that a lot of times before uh bitcoin and crypto market they do not correlate uh with news specifically like stock market news political news nothing like that so they just sort of the coin sort of live their own lives and so this is what we saw this weekend and earlier today um uh, bitcoin is a little slightly down if i remember correctly yeah it's oh no it's up again <laughs> so it was slightly down from 50k but it's um again slightly up by over one percent and currently trading at 49k so this is pretty exciting but be careful right so uh the idea is that um, and i think if you you guys probably have seen this meme so uh when the market goes up everybody's buying which doesn't make sense because when the market goes down you know, this is usually the time when you uh, go in. But again, this is not investment advice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a cryptocurrency trading and any other trading is very risky. Um, so, yeah, I do have an, uh, a comment from an analyst, uh, data analyst as at the crypto exchange CEX.io. He feels like um, if this particular range, 50K to 52K, is going to stay till the end of uh, uh, what's, what month? Uh, okay. August. Uh, for some reason, I'm in March. So to, to <laughs> the end of August, we will see the price go as high as 75k this year. Uh, again, this is pretty optimistic, but you never know because we saw May just being crazy uh, when 60k was uh, the highest price ever for the first time in the history. So yeah, see, we can we can actually uh, see 75k. Do you believe that we're gonna see? 75? You know, people always throw out. Uh, price targets, outlandish price targets. I know Kathy Wood said on CNBC that 500,000 was her price target over the next couple of years. I really, I mean, I would not be surprised, Catherine, if we saw um, it rip above these previous highs and get up to 75,000. But with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised either if, you know, Bitcoin was trading at 35,000 by the end of the week. You know, I think these things are just so volatile. Um, that really at this point, I wouldn't be surprised by any big moves in either direction by Bitcoin. But yeah, I mean, I think right now, if we just look at the chart, we can see this sustained uptrend. I would look for it to continue this uptrend at least to this 60,000 mark where we, we could hit some resistance. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, I always like playing the trend as your friend. So right now we can see that we're in a pretty sustained uptrend. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, you know, again, I would not be surprised at all. Um, I don't know. At this point, we're only about a week away from the end of August. So it would take a lot of movement in the next week or so to get to that level. But if you want to say by the end of September or by the end of October, we'll be at or higher than all time highs of Bitcoin. I would not be shocked at all. Yeah, like this is this looks like a possible event that might happen, given the fact that we, you know, we had 60K just, uh, you know, very unexpected in May. And uh, honestly, when we saw and when, when we actually looked uh, at Bitcoin, I think in June, we talked to different analysts and they say that 28K was the very resistant uh, resistance level that actually showed if we're going to go back to 50. And I think I think we sort of, you know, had had a little fun there with resistance level at 28K because we saw price touch a little bit of uh, I think that was 28 5k uh back in june so this is where we add and i think 75k is possible um and in 2017 right bitcoin actually reached 20k for the first time ever so that was uh four four years ago so maybe in four years maybe it's possible that we're gonna see uh 500k um this you know the idea that kathy wood had so let's talk about cardano right now so you said that you own a little bit of a cardano and cardano is breaking records as we speak so it, um earlier today just a couple of hours ago it reached uh, $2.94 for the first time uh, ever. So it's currently just slightly down. Yeah, trying to look at it. Yeah, uh, so two, oh, 2.95. Yeah, so it's not down. It's up again, um, right? So uh, we saw, um, well, Cardano has been going very well over the past couple of weeks. And it's I think it's number three right now in CoinMarketCap, right? Yeah, just, um, yeah. Number three. Let's see. So yeah, um, sort by market cap. Yeah, it's yeah, number three, which is crazy, right? I saw comments uh, um, in in a you know crypto Twitter is the source of news, unfortunately, for crypto industry. So I saw a different comments um, that uh, they feel like Cardano does not make sense being number three, but at the same time, Cardano is a peer-to-peer uh, platform, and they are about to launch uh, smart contract support, right? So this is this is why I think there are a lot of uh, attention to that, um, and people people just uh, Cardano has such a strong community that they've been trying to pump the price for as long as I can remember. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if we have time because it's like 1 p.m. Do we have time? <laughs> yeah, we do have Get Technical starting up in a minute here. But um, Catherine, we, we can bring you on you know, more days this week to check in on Cardano, check in on Bitcoin. I know we also have some news to talk about as far okay. as Visa purchasing a uh, CryptoPunk NFT. Yes. Um, so maybe if you have time tomorrow, we'll bring you back on and, and we'll yeah. chat some more crypto. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. Okay. Bye, guys. All right, y'all. That was just a quick crypto update with Catherine Ross. She is great. If you want to go give her a follow on Twitter, um, let me post that in the chat real quick. Um, but yeah, let me know in the chat what cryptos y'all are watching. We, of course, uh, we're talking a lot about Cardano today as well as Bitcoin. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.